what we try to say is stay away from the helicopter. There's no reason to approach it when it's running unless you're with a flight crew member. Often the pilot and the crew can't see behind the aircraft. It's not like they have a rear view mirror in them to see those things. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. From the Enchanted Sky Studios in Prescott, Arizona, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategies, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Let's get started. Helicopters are a great tool to have available when someone needs to be pulled out of a remote canyon or transported to a level 1 trauma center in a big hurry. They are unbeatable at those missions. I know I flew helicopters for a while back in the early 2000s and I hold a commercial pilot helicopter certificate. But helicopters also pose a danger to ground crews. Get complacent around one, and you could have a very bad day. In Arizona, we've had DPS troopers killed by a helicopter tail rotor and even a main rotor strike. Back again to give us a safety refresher is our favorite medical helicopter expert, Joseph Uridil. He's an Air Methods Clinical Base Supervisor for Native Air in Arizona. He's also, coincidentally, just back from recurrent scene safety training for helicopter operations. And Joseph Uridil joins me now. Welcome back to Code 3. Thank you so much for having me again, Scott. It's great to have you here. So let's start with picking a landing zone. What are the considerations for choosing a good one? What we typically talk about uh, when choosing a landing zone is that we're looking for a space that is 100 foot by 100 foot that is concrete is our best option and decreasing down to something that is sand or dirt is our least desirable. We routinely land in less than 100 by 100 spots, but What we talk about is that if you are less than that, you should be considering a plan B if there is something uh, that the flight crew doesn't like about that landing zone, that we should have a backup in mind. Now, I once saw a tight LZ on a residential street where the helicopter was waved off after the rotor wash blew a tarp and one of those toy ride-on trucks into the street. What sort of debris do we need to pick up before the helicopter arrives? I'm glad you bring that up. In fact, that video that you're referring to was posted on YouTube, and that's something that I use in our landing zone classes frequently, where um, we talk about uh, the landing zone, the risks associated with that, the fire department's communication with the helicopter. Um, And that landing zone in particular was was a tight landing zone and 
yes, like you said, there was uh, a tarp and a truck that was coming loose that the flight crew did not see. The safe landing zone, the biggest component of that that we talk about is that it, it is a function of good teamwork between the folks on the ground and the folks in the air. That's kind of interesting. I shot that video. I didn't realize that anybody else had really paid any attention to it. I never knew that you shot that video, and I use it as an example of Prescott Fire waving off the helicopter because it illustrates that teamwork so well. Now, going into one of those landing zones, the it, it requires all three flight crew members to agree to that landing zone, and as far as landing safely there in that landing zone, like I said, our, our pilots are amazing and can do great things as long as everybody is on the same page. There's a need before the helicopter arrives to look around for this sort of stuff that could get blown around when the helicopter is on scene. Very much so. And, and the biggest risk is just losing sight of the ground from what we call a brownout. At least here in Arizona, this is a lot less of an issue in the Midwest, although it, it is an issue. But here in Arizona, everything is dusty. And the dust and losing visual references to the ground has been a huge component and directly related to several helicopter accidents in Arizona. So, yes, it, looking within that 100 by 100 area for not only dust where we're landing, but also for wires, also for loose debris, also for the security of the landing zone, especially if we're on a road to make sure that nobody can enter that landing zone where we land. It's interesting because normal pilots spend their entire career flying from airport to airport, but our pilots do that, but they also land in all these improvised landing zones, whether they're a field, a road, or an interstate. Within that video of the neighborhood landing that we were just talking about, the helicopter set down what I thought was pretty darn close to a flagpole in the front of a house. How how much separation did they have? Are you familiar with it? I am familiar with it. I, I did talk with a crew that went into that landing zone. There was at least 50 feet, they had assumed, between the rotors and that pole. It looks like it's a lot closer. But on the low reconnaissance, the flight crew actually identified that, and they all agreed that there was a safe separation between that and the other obstacles in there. So how tight a space will your pilots land in? Is it always a judgment, or is there a number? The number, and this is what I tell our and. This is what I tell our ground crews when we talk to them. That number is 100 by 100. And the reason that I say that 100 by 100 is that not all crew members will always land in an LZ that is less than that. It depends on the prevailing winds. It depends on whether those winds are variable. It depends on whether it's day or night. And I tell them if it's less than 100 by 100, have an alternative in mind. Because every decision in that helicopter takes three crew members to agree. And at any time, any crew member can say, no, I'm not comfortable with that. And there is no conversation. So just because one crew did it on the last flight into a landing zone on that less than 100 by 100, it doesn't mean the next crew will. 
Now, I've seen instances where this happens, where somebody on the crew, the pilot or one of the other members, decides the LZ just doesn't look right. If they haven't picked a plan B site, what happens then? Locally, this happens routinely, where the uh, folks on the ground, you know, they have a, a small view of the scene, whereas we have this much more global view of the scene in the local area. So the landing zones that are decided on by the ground crews when they're on a scene, often we have a collaboration where we say, you know, that landing zone isn't our favorite. So there is a landing zone a mile away that is much more open and safe. Is it possible to transport the patient there? Routinely, we will land at a landing zone that's further away from the scene that's safer, and the flight crew will get transported to the scene by one of the fire or emergency personnel. It's always a collaboration about what is best for the patient and what is best for the safety of the team. All right, so now let's talk about rotors. We've had people actually walk into spinning tail rotors because they're tough to see. What's the easiest way to avoid this? We talk about this a lot because, yes, like you said, they are nearly invisible. Those tail rotors are nearly invisible, and quite frankly, it's hard to see the uh, rotors that are above the helicopter as well. Typically, what we try to say is stay away from the helicopter. There's no reason to approach it when it's running unless you're with a flight crew member. Just this last winter in our company, we had an ambulance that was trying to do the right thing for a patient. It was cold, and they were trying to bring the patient as close to the helicopter as possible, and they drove the ambulance into the rotor blades. Routinely, when we land on a road, if there is a slope going up on either side of the helicopter, that brings your body in close proximity to those rotor blades. You know, we talk about this 100 by 100 landing zone, but also unless you were with a flight crew member when the helicopter is running, you should stay away. We also talk about tail guards that usually someone on the ground is assigned as the tail guard, and we take that person's role very seriously to protect the rear of the helicopter because the often the pilot and the crew can't see behind the aircraft. It's not like they have a rear view mirror in them to see those things. But if there, if we lose control of a scene or a landing zone for whatever reason, often we will shut down the aircraft, and that is detrimental to the care of the patient and our speed of getting them to definitive care. So in answer to your question, staying away from the helicopter is the biggest thing unless you are escorted by the flight crew. And the main rotor can flex downward while it's spinning too, and I think people forget that. I mean, there's you you are you mentioned there was a slope, and there was a paramedic from DPS who walked into a rotor on the slope. But even just walking under it to the fuselage of the helicopter, they can flex down in a wind, and that could be deadly if people aren't paying attention there. Exactly, and the. Different airframes have a different angle on those blades. We have some aircraft in our fleet that has a forward-leaning angle on those main rotor blades when the helicopter is idling. And you know me, I'm a tall person. It would, it's low enough that it would impact my head 
if I walked straight into it on level ground. So again, you know, the safe thing to do is just stay away from the helicopter unless you have the flight crew because these are mistakes that are unforgiving. You know, I think that's exactly the right word for accidents involving helicopters. They're great machines, but because of the technology involved, you're going to have a really bad day if you make one of these mistakes. You know, I hadn't heard about the ambulance that was involved in the, let's call it a mishap with the rotor blades. What other incidents have you seen that could have been avoided if people had taken care? Just recently here locally, we had a, a landing zone on the street with police and fire on both ends of the landing zone, and a person drove around that those support vehicles and drove underneath the rotor disc of the aircraft on the scene of a critical patient. This, these types of incidents happen routinely, and it's hard to control for some of these variables on these roads. But that, you know, generally, you know, your audience is mostly fire personnel. That's the biggest things that I would mention is make sure that we're closing off those roads at these improvised LZs um, and blocking them with vehicles, making sure that we're talking about obstacles, whether it's that flagpole from that one video LZ or wires, and especially we have to be extremely vigilant at night. We often talk about not making the assumption that somebody else knows it. If you if you see something, speaking up about what it is you see and making sure everybody's on the same page. And you did mention that if they have to shut down, it's going to take more time. What's the rule of thumb for when the pilot will shut down the engine and when he'll keep it running? I know there are some scenes, for example, where there's an extended time to get the person out of a vehicle that they'll shut down. How how do they decide that? There's no rule of thumb, per se, for when they're going to shut down the aircraft or not. There are multiple variables that are involved, whether it's the safety of the scene, safety of people around the helicopter, But more often than not, the biggest component is our fuel load. You know, we have to balance the amount of fuel that we have with a patient weight that often we don't know until we get there on scene. So sometimes the pilot will need to keep the aircraft running just to burn enough fuel that we can get off the ground with the patient that we have. Okay, Joseph Urdahl, thanks for being with us on Code 3 today. Thank you so much for having me again, Scott, and thank you for sharing this message with all the folks that listen to this podcast. And we put some more information about helicopter LZ safety and the video we've been referring to on our website at code3podcast.com slash helo. Check it out. And don't forget that you can support this podcast by making a monthly pledge. So if you're getting something out of Code 3, Please do your part to help keep it going. A buck a month, five, ten or more, it all counts. Head over to Code3Podcast.com slash support to join the people who've already made a pledge. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. This time we talked about safe operations in and near helicopter landing zones. I'd like to hear about your experiences with medical helicopters. Have you had any problems? What sort of training does your department do? Just email me, scott at code3podcast.com or leave a voicemail at 562-337-9902. 
I'll read your comments and playback your messages on a future show. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.